Hi everyone, welcome to the Alchemy Lab with Colm Holland. I'm Colm Holland and this is the very first session in this series of fortnightly podcasts where I'll be having an amazing conversation with real live alchemists. Today is the 4th of May, Star Wars fans, may the 4th be with you. And we'll be discussing some sensational topics such as how to transform lead into gold, just to name one. And it's my absolute pleasure and privilege to introduce my first alchemist guest to the Alchemy Lab. Welcome to the magical Bryony Brook. Hi, Bryony. Hi, it's fantastic. And thank you very much for asking me. Thank, thank you know. for coming into the lab. Well, it, let's be honest, it's a virtual lab. It's not a real lab. <laughs> it's exciting. I know, I know. Just look at, don't trip over anything that's bubbling <laughs> away or making funny smells, please, um, because I'm, I'm, I've been working really hard in this lab for about 50 years, believe it or not. <laughs> um, and some of those experiments are still going from 50 years ago. Um, can we call you B? You, that yeah, right? that's cool. Yeah, All that's right. fine. Because you're so busy. I mean, it's just a matter <laughs> I mean, B, B anyway, but just um, B is amazing. Um, what I'm hoping, uh, B, we're going to be able to do for listeners and for ourselves today is to shed some light on how to create miracles in our daily lives, which is one of the main aims of, of the alchemists. Um, past and present and I actually couldn't think really um, of, a, of a better person to kick off this series thank you B for joining oh, that's lovely thank you very much today well we met just just less than a year ago I think it was um, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong um, just to name one of the million things that you do every year <laughs> um, you were organizing an evening at the Wells uh, Festival of Literature in Wales, in Somerset. And actually, you live near Glastonbury, is that right? Uh, yeah, I live in Bruton, so it's about half an hour or so away from right. Glastonbury. Right. Isn't, that, so, isn't that where John Steinbeck? Oh, yes. Well, funny enough, I on my daily exercise, because I've always wanted to see um, his cottage, oh, okay. uh, found it. And I was... real. Yeah, I, I walked past... The front of it, I had to go through a field of cows, which was quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't the easiest of walks, but because I used to volunteer in the museum in Bruton and okay. they had his desk there. So it was the upright desk. So it's always right. fascinated me. Um, and he's always said that Bruton, where, yeah, I think he lived here, I can't remember if it was years or whether it was several months, but he but always he said it was one of his favourite places to be. Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm writing a novel at the moment. So what I'm going to do is when nobody, once lockdown's finished, I'm going to creep into the museum, steal the desk, <laughs> bring it home, and <laughs> let the the spirit magic of uh, John Steinbeck pour into my um, into my spirit. What do you reckon? Well, yeah. well, I tell you, I tell you what. Just going on some of the walks around Bruton, which I. Mm didn't even know existed which is terrible yeah. isn't it but through the this lockdown um I've been able to investigate the town a lot more mm -hmm. and wow it's really opened up my eyes I, I hadn't realized how magical it was other than how how much magic I feel in here but I mean the walks are incredible really good okay let's let's tell our listeners today a little bit about you um I, I know a little bit 
I'm sure you've got a lot more you'd like to tell us um, and we'd love to hear. Am I, am I right? You've got two daughters, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Two. Okay. Um, I still see them as young, but they're, they're not. No, well, <laughs> they're yeah. 20 and 18, so okay. yeah. And just amongst other things, as part from being a mum, you're a, a counsellor, a radio broadcaster, a journalist, a social media promoter. <laughs> I've already mentioned you're a literary festival organiser, you're a speaker, and probably most importantly, you're a poet. Yeah, I, well, wow. <laughs> I, I forget some, I mean, I, I love variety. I like to, um, as you say, I'm busy, but I do enjoy sort of mixing things up and being involved in lots of different types of things. And event organising has been something I've done for, for quite a few years now. Um, I'm very much for supporting those. I mean, I, I used to do it with my radio shows where I had new music on. And it's all very much about supporting the underdog or somebody who needs that kind of stepping stone to, I don't know, to become brilliant or to achieve stardom. And if I can give that little bit of support within events or through my radio shows, then it makes me really happy. And poetry has been something I've done from a very young age to deal with emotions and life experiences. And I mean, I can remember at the age of about, I think it was about six or seven I created a folder then we didn't have all these ring binders and you know I, I created it I remember creating it out of not very much and dividing things up and writing poems a b c d you know in the alphabet and filing them and you know I mean I, I don't I don't think my mum and dad have ever found it which is really sad but yeah um that's when I started and okay yeah yeah, I love That's it. That's amazing. So if we were to think in terms of Jungian archetypes, this just thought just came to me. I, you've got a real facilitator archetype running, haven't you? You're, you're somebody who wants to help facilitate other people's magic. Um, yeah. I, correct me if I'm wrong. You want, you want other people to come into their own, to realise their full potential, and is, is that born, would you say, out of your own experience? Did somebody do that for you? Or have you, have you been a self-help person when it's come to that sort of thing? I think when I was young, I was always a listener. So it used to drive my parents mad because I think they, but I always cared for other people. So I had time for them and tried to, you know, support them. I mean, in my life, I, I did help my late husband uh, fulfill one of his dreams, which was to do a massive art installation in London. Um, and that was quite something. Um, All right, but well, it... I'm not going to let you get away with that. So <laughs> just for everybody listening's sake, this is not some uh, little amateur hobby thing. Tell us, tell us more about, tell us just a little bit about your, your late husband and, and just a little bit about the, the sculpture and, and so on. Well, I mean, Elliot was um, a really talented artist. He went to Glasgow School of Art um, and he was a fine art photographer, but he always had this leaning towards being a sculptor. And the, it was really interesting, but obviously with the Olympics coming up in 2012, he wanted to create, he'd, he'd done, some some work sort of you know bubbling over but he wanted to create this this sculpture and it was based on the dimensions of goalposts called goloids 
and it was basically two rotating cubes and we managed to get it we, it was made out of steel in the end but his dream was to make it out of wood but obviously we had consultations and we spoke to experts and all the rest of it um and it was made out of galvanized steel in the end um on parking turntables that you can have sort mm. of in your driveway so they right. they turn around but it was it we had no planning permission it was just the two of us and i had to do an eight thousand word um proposal to get the grant from arts council england and it it was tough it was really tough and initially we got turned down first of all and there wasn't a lot of time space so we'd obviously um set all of this up i mean there's so much involved when you do these grant you know sort of applications mm. um but in the end they granted it and it went on to win the inspire mark um which was for the olympics for things which were inspirational during the olympics and it stayed for about two three years i think on shepherd's bush green right. and they were doing a transformation of the green at the time a four million pound transformation um and we sort of sneaked it on there we got you know support and yeah it, it it was something else it really is I, I forget this is the thing it sort of goes into your memory bank and then you move on to the next thing and to be reminded sometimes it, you, it, unfortunately at the moment the turntables are still there but there's sort of um talks about whether it'll be put back up or not i mean it was only meant to be there to be fair for the duration of the olympics and so it fulfilled what it was meant to but it did end up staying up there longer but i think with the planning permission and things i think people get concerned yeah. but it was the landmark it you know mm. people miss it. i know so many people miss it uh there is i i was watching a fascinating documentary on great artists and the value of art and one of the things they they said you need to try and avoid is monumental and lobby art don't become a a piece of lobby art especially if you're a sculptor um, yeah and in a way the fact that it got taken away could have done you you guys a favor but um we'll come back to that yeah um, because obviously really sadly your husband passed away and uh, I want to come back to that, if I may, because there are a yes, few yes. things that you alluded to in that story. And one of them is, um, if at first you don't succeed, of course, you, you didn't stop. Um, and I want to tell you one about one of the experiments I'm working on now, and we'll, and we'll come back to that story, is um, I'm actually trying to develop the elixir of, of youth. Right. right. Okay. okay. I like that. You like that? <laughs> I well, do. Look, I, I was looking in the mirror the other day and I was thinking, gosh, I need this now. You know, this is, um, things are getting desperate. I need something <laughs> that's um, going to reverse the aging process. Um, and if it works, I'll, look, I promise, I'll, I'll put some in a bottle for you and I'll send it over and oh, make sure yeah. that you... Wonderful. You, okay. Um, would you like to know some of the ingredients? Let me, let me just throw a few. Okay. So... Um, I'll give you, oh, I'm happy to tell everybody the basic recipe. First of all, you know, the thing I found you need is plenty of enthusiasm, okay? Um, yeah. Garnering enthusiasm is really important. And um, if you don't have any, then the elixir of youth is, is never going to be within your reach. So that's the first ingredient. Um, second is a fair dose of passion. Yeah. That kind of takes over. It's okay to be enthusiastic about something, but when 
adding passion to something and and i heard in that story of of, of trying to get that that sculpture you know finished there was definitely passion that was going to not let anything get in the way and finally the the last couple of ingredients is a, a, a smittering of of forgiveness because not everybody's going to want to support your passion um and not everybody is going to share your enthusiasm and yeah. then of course in the end there is the secret ingredient which i can't tell you <laughs> oh all right I'm then sorry. okay all right okay since you insist <laughs> bending my arm all right okay you've got to mix it all together with dreams that's right. what i've discovered and here's the trick you can only add your own dreams you can't use my dreams and i can't use your dreams um, it's it's got to be your dream so let's just go back to that story uh, about your husband um, when your husband passed, I'm just thinking that that could not have been an easy moment in life. Do you, you feel able to share a bit about that? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's terrible. I mean, I, I, as a holistic person, spirit, spiritual person, as an energy type person, I mean, I expected, I wasn't ready for the silence. When someone goes, there is this silence that, I've never experienced before um, because I think, you know, he was obviously my spouse and it, it was completely different. Um, it was a, yeah, a really hard time and it really affected my eldest daughter as well. So for her, she was at a vulnerable age, 14, um, 13, 14. And unfortunately through the loss of um, Elliot, it, it sort of, sent her into anorexia and she's quite she was a very it's, it's sort of a very bright girl and an achiever and it's almost you know textbook that they can be affected by this mentally but I think the passing you know of her dad it it was just so great and so I came out from being a carer full-time for um Elliot who was in a wheelchair um because he'd suffered a stroke at a young age and he ended up on a life support machine and he was um, sort of paralysed on his left-hand side. So I was caring for him for about seven, eight years. And when he sort of passed, then I, you know, I thought, oh, it's my time now. Because you give up everything when you're caring for somebody. Sure. And then um, my daughter then, it, it was sort of within several months, I then ended up being a carer for her. So that was a real wow you know sort of blow and quite that was very difficult as well because that's another you know person to look look after but in a different way it's when it's mm. your child mm. it's it's another feeling you know another situation so yeah I think with all the you know that situation it does teach you not to give up you have to keep going and you have to do it and it it does make you strong but I think you have to draw you have to find the strength somewhere you know, and the dream, go. the dreams for your own life that you had that were shared in a way with your husband, um, yeah, the, and I then had to get put on hold. What, what process did you have to go through? If you can articulate it, what process did you have to go through to resurrect those dreams? Because um, both I know in my own experience and in other people's experience, quite often 
those dreams can just die um, when there's real trials and when there's real challenges and when our energies have to be put elsewhere. Did you, did you find it a difficult thing to resurrect those dreams? Um, it's funny, I'd gone from being selfless because you're caring mm -hmm. for others. And I think when Elliot had a bank of artwork that I almost started to continue with, I mean, there was loads of things that, you know, I could have continued with. But I think it was at that point that I said, actually, I've got to find me. Mm. Because it's very easy to get lost, as you say, in someone else's dreams Yep. And that's, it was that point that I sort of said, no, I've got to be me, I've got to carry on as me. And that's when I started sort of doing my poetry again. That helped writing, um, expressing myself, dealing with all of the emotions and life experience. And I was in an amazing place because finding Bruton has been one of my dreams. It's finding a home. So I feel Bruton, you know, I've been here 11 years, but it really it was like coming home. Um, it is my home and I feel so at home here. The, the energy is incredible and the, for creativity and everything. So I think that nurtured me and enabled me to look after my daughter, but equally give myself enough space to, to carry on with my dreams or start with my dreams. That's amazing. Um, I have this theory that we're all alchemists when we commit to following our dreams to find our treasure. Um, the empowerment that you began to find was resurrected, B, um, <clears throat> as, as, as you became more creative. So is that, what, is that what's channeled you into all of these various activities? Um, radio broadcasting well, what's what's the core motivation there i know we we mentioned it slightly earlier but if you had to say give give a couple of reasons of why you you feel this need to give to others i think being there for my husband being there for my daughter i learned an awful lot you know helping my daughter through anorexia and I've been a holistic therapist anyway for sort of over 20 years and I've always physically, you know, performed massages, I've done healing, reflexology, but it was another dimension to my abilities, I suppose, and it pushed me. And I, so through my daughter, I retrained um, and I, I so for about four or five years, I, I started doing counselling courses because I felt I had to give something back because I helped her through and she did nearly die. So it was really pretty serious. Um, so for me, and she didn't get hospitalized. So everything was pretty much on my shoulders with the support of the people around me. And I think, it, you know, I had to give something back. So that pushed, you know, that was the drive for me there. And I think, I don't know, I, I, it's just in me to, to want to share my knowledge, my experience and, help others it, I get an, an immense amount of fulfillment and happiness from seeing others shine and it helps me to shine brighter if that makes sense sure absolutely um, one of the things that we do in, in the alchemy lab um, is to try and turn lead 
into gold, which I'm sure you're you're aware of of the metaphor. I'm, it's a <laughs> metaphor, everybody. Okay, I'm not really, <laughs> just to clear oh, things up here. Darn um, it! <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm not uh, offering a get rich quick um, solution. Um, you're going to need more than <clears throat> a laboratory to do that. Um, in terms of the gold, then that you've created. Be using the, the the alchemist metaphor. Um, would you say it's that is that realization that within each of us there is a almost a dormant self, there is a, a dormant person, the the real us, the real me, the real you, who who needs nurturing. Why why do you think we need that? that nurturing for that self to to become apparent you've you've done it for yourself you do it you're doing it for other people why in your experience do we not pursue it just naturally um anyway why do we need that encouragement do you think because there's always that block of fear and right. the block of negative thought so I think often we underestimate the power of the mind and positive thought and how, sure. you know, by changing, you know, today I feel sad. But if you mm. actually say today I feel happy, even if you feel sad, you will start to feel happy because you're telling yourself mm. you feel happy. And if you put a smile on your face, it does make a difference. Um, and I think by accepting fear and holding it by the hand, because we do need an element of fear um, and stress in order to grow, in order to move on. Um, but I think what the importance is, is not to let that fear hold you back or lead you. So if you can take it by the hand and say, I'm in charge, I'm going, you know, but don't be afraid to take little steps and to try something new. Just give I, it a go. <clears throat> um, I want to talk about fear since you brought it up, I want to talk about that in a bit more depth because um, I, I read and I hear on other, other podcasts and on, on videos and so on, a lot on the subject of fear. Um, one of my favourite stories, by the way, is Will Smith, who talks about what, for his birthday present, he, they, his family bought him a skydiving trip. And um, yeah, he, he kind of did it as a bit of a bet as well. And he he said he spent all the days leading up to jumping out of the plane um, terrified. Yeah. And, and then it dawned on him slowly that actually the only time he actually needed to be afraid was the split second that he was going to jump because <laughs> he wasn't in any danger. <laughs> yeah. Up until that point. So what... And I'm pushing here, I know, but I really want to nail this. What is that fear that stops us jumping? What, what is it that we're trying to avoid? Even though we know that it's going to lead to this amazing experience, we know that it's going to bring us the sort of life that we do dream about. Why does that fear have such a grip? Do you think I know and you and you're doing a radio broadcast on this on a regular basis? So that's why I'm I'm kind of looking to you, B, for some answers on this. Well, it's belief, isn't it? I think a lot of the time, I mean, I've I've gone through periods in my life where I've been bullied, I've had, you know, abusive relationships, that that kind of thing. And it can really 
you know, your self-confidence can be really low. And mm. I have to remind myself every day, all the time that I can do this. I can do, you know, so it, I don't think it gets particularly any easier, but I think it's, it's reminding your subconscious that you are able, it's changing. I mean, one of my um, social media posts today was, you know, nothing's impossible. You know, if you look at the words themselves, they say, mm. I'm possible. So you've got to, it's, it's the language you use every day. So if you say, I want to rule the world, do you really want to rule the world? If you think <laughs> about what that entails and the reality of ruling the world. At this moment in time, probably not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> but I'll I think... do my bit. I'll do my bit. <laughs> my megalomania think... is on hold right now, uh, for sure. I think if we're realistic with what we're saying and take those steps towards the goal of what will make us happy, mm. there is abundance available. There is that, you know, ability yeah. to create, a, you know, a happiness for yourself and live the life you want to live. But you, you mustn't let sort of the fear. I think definitely mm. for me, it's self-belief. I think if you can remind your subconscious of what, who you are, what you've achieved as i said to you i forgot about you know the the sculpture the goloids it's not something that i think about every day but maybe i should because it was uh -huh. a massive achievement you know and by thinking about those things it reminds you of what you've achieved and what you can do what more you can yeah, do yeah um you know i've written a book the the secret of the alchemist yeah and I talk a lot about alchemy in uh, Paolo Kaler's original book, The Alchemist, and so on. I also talk a lot about my own experience. I just want to throw a little bit of my own experience, just for your observation. Just, I'd love your comment on this. One of the things I say in that book is that behind every fear, I, in my experience, there's a wound. Um, and the wound hurts. It's painful. And that from uh, conception, through birth, through early childhood, through adolescence, and even in adult life, we are continually wounded in one form or another. And it accumulates and it starts to form patterns. So there are particular responses that we begin to make by rote almost without even thinking about it. So when something new that's rather bad for our well-being happens, we respond based on the previous. So I, I've got this theory that fear is accumulative. And unless we embrace fear, and, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, what you and I both understand by embracing. Unless we embrace fear, I actually think it's impossible to heal the wound that lives behind it. And without healing the wound behind fear, fear will continue to dominate. Um, even even if we can if we try and ignore it, we try and push it down, we try and push it aside, we're trying to pretend it never happened. It's got this really nasty habit of coming back <laughs> and the moment you one of the times you mostly realize that the fear is there is when you want to make that step forward you want to make that positive move in your life but fear is right there staring you in the face and so why don't we embrace it i mean you said earlier that we need to look at our fear we don't need to be frightened of our fear um have you 
have you had any experiences where you've been able to embrace a particular fear where you've been able to allow a wound to be healed in some way so you can move forward i think i mean i struggle in everything i've learned and how i teach and through healing it's very much about forgiveness um right. and letting letting go and i really struggle with that because there's certain things that have happened in my life to myself Absolutely. and other people close to me that you feel i don't know how mm -hmm. to so i'm still coming to terms with certain things mm -hmm. but i think you've got to chip away at this because otherwise you're carrying this baggage and what it will do it it will always hold you back it yeah. will always stop you from taking that next step or that massive leap to where maybe you should be mm -hmm. because we've all got something you know to offer i mean some people are very content with what they're doing and they're quite happy they have their hobbies but some of us have a different drive and you know there's certain i mean i i every day i set a list of goals that i want to achieve all right um and it's a to-do list and often i'm you know i'll i'll take something off and then some you know i'll get another three that will be added to it but i have to work like that i don't sometimes i wonder why can't i just have a day where i don't do that and i i suppose i have i have had pajama days but i do like to to send out positive messages in the morning it's, it's a way for me to it's my form of meditation or sure. relaxation and and actually writing poetry is very much a form of relaxation for me but i think yeah fear has to be there for all of us in order for us to exist we need that fight or fr flight influence in everything we do and everything you know if you want to achieve certain things you've got to go through that process to get to that to that top and i mean actors and actresses always feel sick before they go on stage they <laughs> they they use their nerves i mean i i get nervous when i go on the radio and i've i've done it for so long and i've i go on bbc radio somerset but you still get nervous yeah. but that's a good thing because i think also you're taking responsibility and you're caring another thing that's important is doing everything to the best you can whatever mm. it is you do mm. rather than oh i don't you know i'm not bothered i'll just that will do i think i think it's the wrong attitude it doesn't matter what it is you're doing even the small things if you can do them to the best then you're one step further towards that goal okay i'm going to hit you with um an unexpected question i'm going to put you right on the spot <laughs> i'm going to give you any time to think about it b what does love look like for you oh okay um told you it was going to be hard <laughs> it looks to me i think like the sea huh. so nice. so it can be calm sometimes mm -hmm. um really tranquil and then other times it can be quite thrilling quite exciting i'm just imagining these waves now <laughs> I've I love. Oh, I'm with you. I can see it. I'm. And then got, it can I'm sitting scary. with my feet in the water already. <laughs> and then it can be quite mm. scary. So I think, mm. yeah, that's great. Love, love's turbulent, isn't it? It's. That's a it's, great analogy. Yes. No, it is. Does it? Can it make, let you float away as well? Can you have moments of bliss? Can you have? Oh, yeah. 
moments of ecstasy with that with that analogy as well i think so. i mean for me whenever i hit problems or issues i run to the sea i always go to uh -huh. the coast so it's a oh, way for me to to release things but i think it there's always that reality that it isn't it's changeable isn't it it's never the same and it and and i like that i like the fact that it's otherwise you become complacent i suppose and but yeah love is very special and if you can find love with somebody um or with people you're yeah blessed yes fabulous thanks i put you on the spot and that was a fabulous <laughs> analogy thank you um that's going to stay with me for the rest of today <laughs> Um, lovely, brilliant, thanks. Um, I think we should mention that we are in lockdown. Um, it is May the 4th, it is year 2020, and we're in a time that none of us, um, apart from Bill Gates, apparently um, anticipated. <laughs> uh, he did warn everybody, and there were not many people listening, but so here we are. And um, without proportioning blame in any direction, we, each of us, find ourselves um, exceptionally challenged right now. Um, you've said quite a bit about what you do to cope and survive and so on. Have you got any other tips that you would offer to listeners right now, anybody who's going to be listening to this in the next few days? What, uh, what else could we be doing um, based on your knowledge of, of counselling and therapy, especially if we find life particularly challenging at the best of times? What would, you, what would your advice be? I think to write is always good. I think if you can get a uh -huh. notebook um, and when you're feeling quite low, I think it's good to write what you're grateful for or what makes you you know what are the good things and i know that's hard because i've been there myself and you don't want to it's almost that default you were talking earlier about that default area that we go to and i think we almost it's painful but we almost enjoy it because it's what we know um but i think if you can write down what you're grateful for the small things i don't know my cat my my dog or you know or having a sunny day today or I feel grateful that I have hands that are strong or work or you know it, it, it's lots of different things you can put down once you start writing that list you'll be surprised at why how do you have to write it though what's this thing about having to write it down do you think that's part is that some human necessity do you think that's a requirement to write it I think it enforces it. I think we right. can think these things, but I think that if you can do, do it in two or three ways is even better. So if you can say it out loud, that makes a difference because that is the brain taking it in. The sub, you're telling the subconscious of, of yourself. You know, so affirmations are brilliant. I, I encourage my, the people I work with, the students, to mm. when they're going through situations, it's all about um, facing yourself in the mirror and saying things, you know, like perhaps they don't like their legs or they don't like their hair or whatever, you know, but saying those things and facing yourself and it is so powerful. So I think if you can write it down, say it in your head and say it out loud, then it's that much more powerful. But writing is... I don't know when I was 
revise I mean when I was revising I used to do it in different ways I'd, I'd record myself talking and I'd sometimes go to sleep with it under my pillow <laughs> I know but it works I'll tell you what, I did really well in an exam through that <laughs> amazing <laughs> and it, yeah it really worked and so that that was quite interesting for me that was me experimenting then I think as a teenager well, you're, you're writing you've set yourself this challenge which I think is incredible of 365 poems um, in a year, <laughs> one a day. Um, I hope you've got a couple of those poems handy. Yeah, sure. I'd love you to share um, either today's or a couple of favourites that you've got. I'd love to hear the sort of thing that you're writing to help you through this time, um, if, you, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, sure. Well, it... it it was a task. The reason I set it was so that I would write more. That was the idea and develop and evolve. And I think, I think I am. It'll be interesting when I look back over the poetry and see some of the ones, I mean, some of them I see as throwaway and, and they affect people in different ways. So it's interesting. So yeah, one I've chosen here is called Cherish These Moments. When things feel bleak, as all around, a ghostly silence is all that's found. Take a moment to stop and breathe. At the little things we rarely see, in cracks of walls, the tiny flowers, the stream meandering away the hours, the chopwood ready to provide some heat, the tiny ants busy under our feet. This time will pass and a normality return. We'll cherish these moments and what we have learnt. Oh, that's that's beautiful, B. Really touching. Um, I'm trying, find it hard not to tear up. Okay, just <laughs> so <Aww>. so you <laughs> know. Um, was that today's? What's today's? Have you got today? Um, I've got one that I wrote yesterday, which was okay. quite powerful, and I think it, I'd spoken. Well, I'd just spoken to my daughter, and I think it is mm. what came to mind after I'd spoken to her because she was feeling a bit down. So this is called Reach Further Than The Glass. Let go, release, relax, be calm. Connect with the source, no fear, you're safe here. Be in the moment, be in the now. Keep your head up, don't at the world bow. Say yes, say you can, you're strong, or negative thoughts ban. But I feel sad, so alone, I'm empty, I'm in pain. I never see the sunshine, I am the rain. I want to hide, I don't want to be here. How can I just be? Trust. Reach out, forget the whys, do it now, see the blue skies. Allow hurt to pass, reach further than the glass. You matter, we care, we are here, we can be there. You're the scissors, cut the ties, there's so many exciting reasons to be alive. Fantastic, B. Um, round of applause for that one. That's awesome. Um, B, um, you said it in your poem, and we've had the privilege of having B in the moment today. Thank you, B. Um, <clears throat> thank you. For, thank no. You. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you um, for being who you are. Um, and everybody, you can actually find these 365 poems. Um, is it on um, 
it's called Forgotten Bee Blog. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Forgotten Bee Blog. You can get there via Twitter or Instagram if you don't remember that. It's um, at Forgotten Bee. Um, look, I know I'm, I'm going to speak for all our listeners when we say that we are richer today. Thank you, Bee, for having um, spoken to you. Thank you for being you. And um, thank you for being a true alchemist. You are, you make gold out of lead. Um, and I am going to share that uh, elixir of youth with you as soon as I get the final. Fantastic. Don't forget, all you've got to add, all you've got to add is um, your own dreams and shake it up with a lot of love and you'll be as young as you feel, as they say. Um, we're going to send everybody who's listening all of our love all of our blessings and hope you'll come back and join us again for in, in the alchemy lab with Colin Holland. It's been my privilege. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.